0: Welcome to Security Insiders, a podcast about everything Microsoft security. I'm your host, Maarten Goed, a Microsoft MVP. Today we have Ruben Baumann and Marcus Bakker on the show. Ruben and Marcus, welcome. Thank you, Maarten. Exciting to be here. Thanks, Maarten. Marcus, to begin with you, if I look at your title on Twitter, you call yourself a cybersecurity addict. Can you tell us about yourself and your addiction?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a nice question. It's best explained that I just like IT security very, very, very much and also spend a lot of my free time into IT security. So that's maybe where the addiction comes from. To give you an example, on a vacation, I may rather read a book on Windows internals instead of reading a book other person would read.
0: Yeah, no romance books for you, but uh, but technical books is what I'm yeah, hearing. Yeah, I love uh,
1: <laughs> reading technical books in my free time if I have the time, yes.
0: <laughs> nice. And Ruben, you call yourself a cyber defense specialist. What is it exactly that you do?
2: Well, currently I'm having an assignment as a threat hunter at a financial institution, but everything in the cyber defense container I like to do. So um, within my own company, I also have clients where I work for fraud detection, but also uh, forensic analysis, malware analysis. So everything on the cyber defense side of the world.
0: Nice. So you're working on cyber defense these days, but this might not have been where you started out. How did you get where you are now today? How did you get into cybersecurity? What road did you take?
2: Well, that started when I was twenty. I started working as a software engineer. So software development. I started at a small company, maybe 10 people working for small companies. And I think 80% of my time I was developing software, and the other 20 was everything else with IT. Then after four years, I moved to a small bank in the Netherlands, also software engineering, and I worked on internet banking applications, online payment systems like Ideal. And after years, I was getting more and more interested and excited about security. I came in touch with some people working at that company where I was working, and they were working at the information security department. Then I moved to that department to to work there. I worked there for some years. I did pen testing, uh, malware analysis, forensic investigations, fraud detection, all kinds of stuff. And then some of that colleagues uh, started their own company, Serious Security. And after one or two years, I uh, joined that company too. And that was in 2015. And since then, I'm working uh, together with them. We are with four of us. uh, We're working for mainly financial institutions and uh, in the the cyber defense uh, and fraud.
0: Okay, so you started with software development. Is that a skill that is something that helps you a lot in cyber defense, perhaps for reverse engineering stuff, or is
2: that something that helps? Yeah, it definitely helps because making software, you must know how things work on a system. I made all kinds of software from internet applications to point of sale solutions on computers so you get to know a lot of how computers work and that definitely helps for example what you said reverse engineering malware but also to write my own tools to do my job for pen testing for example i created some own tools or extensions for current tools but also when performing a threat hunting investigation i use for example python to utilize the things i want to do
0: yeah makes perfect sense and for you marcus how did you get into cybersecurity?
1: yeah so for me i started with IT security right from the first job I got. It always has been a topic on which I've been interested quite a lot. So already within my bachelor's degree, a master's degree, I had a lot of focus on IT security. And during my master's, we had to do a research project. I did a research project at KPMG at that time, in which I looked at how to crack password hashes with GPUs. At that time, it's already 10 years ago, that was a really new topic. And after I finished my master's degree, I already had some connections at KPMG due to the research project at the master's and starting to work over there. I always have to have the focus on the more technical side of IT security. So doing penetration testing, security design reviews. I also have done some audits, but I always try to tend to go to the more technical hands on IT security. I like to do that the most.
0: Right. So you started with hashes and GPUs. That's a great start, I would
1: say. <laughs> yeah, it was very, uh, it was a very fun and exciting project to do. And yeah, at that time it was really new and uh, we were amazed at how fast you could guess and thereby crack password hashes. So it was pretty fun to do.
0: And that was something you also did during your studies, would you say? now? In general, how much time do you spend on R&D research and other knowledge gathering? Because I can imagine, as a threat hunter, you need to know what actors are out there, what methods they use, maybe, like Ruben said, create some of your own tools. That can be quite time consuming. How much time do you spend on these things?
1: Oh man, Um, I think a lot of time. I don't count it, I don't uh, write it down somewhere. But every day um, I spend time outside of my work hours to stay up to date with the new developments. And I also try to get some time every week, maybe a whole day, half a day to do some research project or do some coding. And yeah, I think that's also the challenge within IT security in general is that it takes quite an effort to stay up to date. Especially, I think, also in hunting. You shouldn't only be familiar with how a blue team operates but it's also very important to know how adversaries and also red teams how they break into companies and what they do after they have broken into the company because that is very important knowledge to have as a threat hunter to go look after within your network
0: right and uh, that takes a lot of commitment for your time now Ruben there are a lot of command and control c2 frameworks out there that adversaries could use potentially like Cobalt Strike and others Are these types of things you would then study
2: yeah for example i also have one day a week which i can freely use to either program or serve other customers or to do some some research or investigate stuff cobalt strike is one of the frameworks you mentioned and it's actually a framework i'm looking into it right now but also other frameworks when i have time i look into those frameworks on how they work for example the powershell empire framework some years ago it was very popular I looked into that last year uh, on how it works, Uh, use it for my own work to simulate stuff during my threat hunting investigation. And while using such a framework, you you get to know it, Uh, you know how it works and you know what traces are there. So yeah, that kind of stuff.
0: Well, and I guess those frameworks are real because the University of Maastricht late last year, we saw some traces of empire. So these things are, are worth studying for sure. Marcus, you both work quite a bit with bigger companies and financial institutions. Why is it that they employ threat hunters and, and for what reason?
1: I think first most, of course, what you see, or at least with the Netherlands, that banks are more mature, I uh, think, to in general regarding IT security. Or at least they have more budget. That's where it all starts, of course. You need to hire the people and find the people. And for banks, it's also very important to know that they're not at risk or an attacker is not within their network, so to say. It might be more important to other types of companies. I don't want to give the impression that it's less important, but at least it's an industry where IT security plays a very important role. It's of, of top priority, so to say. And therefore, threat hunting, I think, also makes a lot of sense to see how you can constantly improve the way in how you're finding uh, adversaries within your network and improving detection.
2: Another thing I was thinking about is that I think for enterprise organizations like banks, they want a proactive approach in cybersecurity. Incident response is something, an incident happens and you're going to respond. And threat hunting is one of the things that are uh, proactive. So uh, proactively searching for uh, malicious activity in, uh, in the network. And I guess uh, banks are already having a good security operation center responding to incidents, and I think threat hunting and other things as well are a more proactive approach to uh, become more and more secure.
0: Yes, yeah, so I guess it has to do with the proactive approach, the budget, and the maturity, and and the banks perhaps already having a side of fraud detection and evolving uh, to cyber from there. Now there are a lot of misconceptions about threat hunting, red teaming, and other definitions. Uh, Ruben, what is your view on and maybe the definition of threat hunting and how is that, like you said, different from incident response investigations?
2: Yes, uh, in my opinion, threat hunting is, uh, what I said, a proactive effort in searching for uh, signs of malicious activity uh, in your infrastructure. And you then look both uh, currently, what you see now, but also historically. So maybe breaches that are uh, occurred a few weeks or a few months ago. And that proactive Part is, I guess, the, the thing that it's uh, different from uh, instant response, because instant response, something happens, and you're going to respond. And uh, many security operation centers are waiting for alerts from all kinds of applications. And threat hunting uh, doesn't wait. Threat hunting is uh, starting right away, looking for yeah, stuff, activity in uh, the network that uh, doesn't belong there.
0: And so you conclude as well that a mature SOC would also have threat hunters and do some
2: proactive work? Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, you should do something like the, the proactive approach, uh, like threat hunting is.
0: And Marcus, when you go threat hunting, what is the trigger for you to start a hunt? So how do you go about and select what to hunt for? Or is it just random? Like what sources do you choose and how do you
1: select these? Yeah, so that's... an um whole process I think in itself um, and also very important because of course you want to make sure that the time you will spend on a threat hunt investigation makes sense and also has some indication that the time you will spend on the hunt investigation is time well spent in a sense that it will lead to uh, good results. I actually also written a blog post on that on how to prioritize your hunt investigations that also describes what the inputs of those hunt investigations could be. I will not go over all of them but I think one that is a very good one and also familiar i think to many people once you had a red teaming exercise and report states all the adversary activities that have been performed you can go over them and see what kind of activities you have missed which were not alerted within the SOC those attacker behaviors or TTPs are very good candidates to look into to see if that activity has been seen before also maybe before the red team exercise uh, but also as an outcome See if you can use threat hunting investigations to improve the detection for that particular attacker behavior as being employed within the Red Team. But yet, of course, many other kind of sources. Also, uh, new developments regarding new attackers, attacker behaviors that are being shared amongst researchers on Twitter. I think it's also a very interesting source to look into and to stay up to date with.
0: Right. And if people want to look up Marcus' blog, it's mbsecure.nl. So I would encourage them to have a look. Now, Ruben, people that follow you and Marcus online might have seen that you both co-developed a solution called Detect. What is that solution exactly and where can they use it for?
2: Yeah, well, Detect is uh, indeed co-developed uh, by uh, Marcus and myself. And we both had some ideas separately uh, from each other. And I was looking into making something that uh, helps me in getting an overview of the visibility within the uh, attack Mitre Tech framework. So I was looking into uh, data sources and uh, keeping track of all the data sources you have within an organization and map them. To the MitroTech techniques to have a potential overview of your visibility coverage. I shared that idea with Marcus, and Marcus shared his idea. Uh, his idea was to use the MitroTech information on threat actors to see what techniques are most important uh, for an organization because they're used by different kind of threat actors. And uh, we also added uh, other things like uh, detection coverage, so scoring all the detections you have within an organization scoring them, creating an overview of your detection coverage. So detect is uh, everything about your visibility coverage, detection coverage, and threat actor behavior. And we combined those things in uh, in a framework, in a Python tool, and we also documented a lot of stuff in uh, guiding you to uh, score your detections, for example, or to score the the data quality or to help you using the tool. We used that tool within an assignment uh, we both had uh, at the same company. And we made it open source to share it with, back with the community because Mytrop Tech itself is community-based. And uh, we got a lot of positive uh, response and feedback. People are using it in their own way, but also the, the way we are using it. And um, yeah, we, we see that
1: people uh, like it because it's, it's useful in their daily job. I think also nice to add in relation to the threat hunting you're talking about. For us, it was really a tool developed to be able to answer the question within the company we worked to see okay where to prioritize our hunting eff- efforts. Um, where can we hunt? Where we do have visibility? But also, um, where do we start? What's which, which a good attack behavior to start looking at? And Mitre gives a very good direction to see where to start hunting. Although you should also be aware that Mitre itself was not a checklist. So um, not everything is within Mitre so also should be important to also take that into account when doing your threat hunting and doing your prioritization but at least gives you a very good direction where to start looking at
2: yeah it also helped us on different assignments different companies to show the management team this is our current coverage and when we do a b or c or when we buy a product like an edr it then improves to this And then you have visual pictures where you can uh, show them based on the Mitre tech framework, which is quite a a standard within the security community. Then we can show them if it's necessary to buy, for example, the EDI product or to perform uh, action ABC to improve the, the coverage, for example.
0: Right, and you said that Mitre is one of the sources you look at and can use for this. But on Twitter, I saw a tweet about a detect layer file for TTPs that the Australian government discovered that links back to your GitHub repo. Is that what people can find on that repo? Can they also submit their own layers and intel to use with Detect?
1: Everybody is free and we are really would love to see that, uh, that people are doing PR for uh, new threat intel information. The things that we put out on uh, the repo it's not everything of course that's out there but when i noticed that there's a new report like the last one from australia i put some free time in there and uh, and published that it's good to see that more and more third parties are uh, sharing this kind of information and giving it back to the community we also try then to create layer files for that so that people uh, can start using it uh, within their daily operations but we are very open, of course, for any kind of contributions, not only for Intel, but also ideas for detect or uh, improvements in, in code. It would be very nice.
0: Great. We'll link back to the repos so people can find it and submit their contributions if they want to. I also saw a graphic that shows the progression of attack enterprise, and like we just noticed, detect relies heavily on Mitre for providing context. Why do you think Mitre attack is so important in our industry?
2: Yeah, well, I think uh, Mitra Tech, we often call it the Wikipedia of cyber attacks And it gives a lot of information for all kinds of people, blue teamers, red teamers. It gives a lot of information on attacks. It's based on a lot of reports, open source reports, uh, threat intelligence reports. And if you want to know how an attack works, uh, Mitra Tech can help you in telling how, that works, but it also uh, gives you a way to measure your things, and that's what we're uh, using Detect for, is to see uh, your coverage, for example. And uh, it's, a, it's a great tool, Marshal Tech, uh, in combination with Detect, to see how your organization is uh, doing in terms of visibility or detection coverage. And a lot of people are using it, and uh, it's kind of a common language. So blue teamers use it, red teamers use it, threat intelligence people are using it, so it's
1: also a common language as well. Yeah, that's also the part I like very much about uh, Mitre Tech, that we now have a way to communicate between a blue team and, for example, uh, the intelligence team within your company on what they see in the world regarding attacker behaviors and then using a very well-developed framework slash standard to communicate the information back to the blue team. So that's one of the many advantages of using Mitre attack.
0: Now let's switch gears a bit to the Microsoft world. Marcus, you published a KQL cheat sheet. Can you tell us more about that?
1: As everybody knows, that is familiar with Azure, but also with Defender. When you want to do some searching across the raw logs uh, with an EDR Defender or in other products within Azure, then you may want to do more advanced queries and searching. You have to use the Kusto query language. I noticed while uh, looking into that language and learning the language that the cheat sheet was missing. I very much like them to have a cheat sheet, just quickly look something up. So I came up with the idea, okay, if it's not there, then I will just create it myself. So that's the main reason why we developed it. And I was actually very surprised, in a good sense, how well it was picked up by the community. So that's very nice. I always love to give things back to the community, especially if this makes other people very happy and also helps other people.
0: Having built the KQL cheat sheet, that implies that you also work with Defender ATP or Azure Sentinel or anything that has a KQL. And you just also, and Ruben, talked about scoring with Detect to see coverage. Can you tell us about your experience of working with MD ATP or the other products? What's your experience and what's your view on that?
1: Yeah, so my experience with Defenders is actually pretty good. I don't have a lot of experience with other EDRs, so I don't have the ability to compare with loads of other ones. But from what I saw and also heard from Red Teamers, they're doing quite a good job on it. I especially like the visibility gives you. So all the data it provides you on the things that happen on your endpoint. And uh, an ability to use that using KQL queries to start searching and building advanced analytics. I think a very powerful uh, feature of uh, Defender. And also it allows you to create and uh, use those analytics you built using KQL to schedule those. And thereby having your own custom detections. Yeah, it's a really neat feature. But they also notice, and I think that's also um, something Olaf, I think, told you in your podcast, that within certain circumstances or certain scenarios or certain type of events are not always uh, locked. So it could make much sense when you are a mature organization. So I agree on that part with Olaf to see uh, if our Sysmon can be used to close the gap or maybe uh, work very closely together with, uh, with the development team of Microsoft to see uh, how it can be improved by providing feedback to the team itself.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. When you go to the hunting page in Azure Sentinel, Ruben, there's the opportunity to use uh, Jupyter notebooks to perform hunting. Is this something you and perhaps other threat hunters use in real life? Is Jupyter something you use?
2: Yeah, I used it very often before. And currently, I'm also working with the Microsoft Defender ATP. Currently, mainly I'm working the advanced hunting section of the Defender ATP. But when I cannot do the things I want to do in KQL, I'm using the Jupyter notebook. So uh, Microsoft provides the the Azure Notebooks uh, option with free computing to run Jupyter. Also now looking into uh, getting an own Jupyter environment within the organization I work for, just to have more computing power uh, and have the advantages of having your own stuff instead of using the free stuff of Microsoft. One example, I was investigating uh, dumping memory from Elsass, and I was looking at debug privileges which are stored in a number, and I wanted to convert that number to a binary number, which is not possible in KQL and that's one example where i switch to a Jupyter notebook to investigate the data to convert a number to a binary variant look up the bits i was looking for and then do my investigation so for the things i cannot do in kql or in another system i'm using the Jupyter notebook to do the more advanced uh, analysis
0: okay great so your go-to would normally be advanced hunting. But when you need to do something outside of what that gives you, then you jump into Jupyter. And what you said is having your own compute power behind it makes it quite powerful to work with.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: And like Marcus just said, there's a lot of discussion on on coverage gaps. And for instance, if you still need tools like Sysmon, if you have EDR solutions like Microsoft Defender ATP deployed, As a threat hunter, Ruben, I can imagine that you're always looking for more and more data to get answers from. Is that also your view? Would we need Sysmon to complement a tool like Defender ATP at this point in time?
2: Yeah, at this point in time, yes, because I'm also positive on the Microsoft Defender ATP product, like is. Uh, but there are some gaps sometimes, because Microsoft cannot send all the telemetry that's being there on an endpoint. They have to limit it, and they have some filters running to filter out some reoccurring events, for example, or to filter only the events that are interesting from their point of view. Me and my colleagues often see events not being logged because they're filtered out. And uh, Sysmon can jump into the gap to give the events you're looking for. The other thing is we are also talking with a product manager of Microsoft, trying to deliver some more events on the the stuff we miss. Sysmon is definitely something which can add value. But I must say that for enterprise organizations, it's often a hard job to get an EDR running, uh, to get the data from the EDR maybe in a separate data lake, like Sentinel or Splunk. And things take time, cost time. And uh, sometimes it's better to focus on the first steps instead of focusing also on uh, Sysmon at the same time in parallel.
0: Yeah, I think like Olaf said in a previous episode, you need a mature organization to handle it. And depending on your coverage gap, it might be worthwhile. That'd be interesting to hear what the coverage gap is and uh, maybe for a future episode to really look at what's, uh, what's needed there. Uh, Marcus, for people who want to also become threat hunters and are looking to do what you guys are doing, what is an essential set of skills they would need? Or should they just learn Python, Jupyter, and become (laughs) really good in searching?
1: Yeah, I think Python skills, programming skills in general, I think it's good for every IT security professional to have. But for hunting, yeah, you should be very eager, I think, to always learn new stuff. So when a new attack technique comes out, then you should be the kind of person that's on top of it and last to dive into the details to really understand what's going on and then use that knowledge within new hunting investigations. So also having analytics skills is important here and also the drive to write queries, looking at loads of log data is something where your interest should lie in combination with adversary behaviors and staying up to date with that kind of knowledge. But I think your question was where to start or I'm mistaking...
0: No, the set of skills and what you're saying is you need to be curious, um, perhaps analytic persistence is needed. So these are the things you will look at and then add things like software development to make life uh, easier.
1: Yeah, automate where possible, I think, also to make your life more easy and gives you more time to focus on the more interesting stuff and uh, automate the boring stuff. It also plays a role uh, within threat hunting.
0: And uh, Ruben, talking about training and getting skills, you have both provided some training around Mitra Attack and other things. Can you explain what training you have built?
2: Yeah, together with Marcus, we're building a training for Mitra Attack. Also, DTEXT is, uh, is one of the topics in the training. And we try to have that uh, training, when was it? In June or in May, Marcus?
1: Uh, in June, I think uh, the planning was, was originally to do it um, like this week, Monday and Tuesday, but I think the world has changed in the meantime. So we have now postponed it, I think, until November.
2: Yeah, and it's a two day training with all the ins and outs on MitroTech. How to look how MitroTech and DTEC can help your organization to get to the next level of cyber defense.
1: Yeah, and uh, the idea for the training is that will not be like dev PowerPoint slides, but you want to make sure that a majority of the part is really hands-on, using a tech. We are believing that actually using it is the best way of learning it.
0: Makes a lot of sense. Now, last but not least, if people want to follow you both, get more information on this training, maybe the detect repo, uh, other project, where should they go to? Where can they find the Ruben? Where can they find Marcus?
2: Well, the best thing is uh, to, uh, to look me up on Twitter, but also the GitHub repo gives a lot of information on uh, Detect and the presentations we give.
1: Yeah, I think for me the same on Twitter. I share some stuff sometimes. And when you have any questions, um, my DMs are open or um, the GitHub is also a medium that we use.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you for being such great guests, uh, Ruben and
1: Marcus. Thank you, uh, Marta, for uh, inviting us. It was, uh, yeah. it was very nice. Thanks for having us.
0: Great. Well, thanks everybody for listening to the Security Insiders podcast. Follow us on securityinsiders.io, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. I'm Maarten Goet. Until the next time.